episode 382 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive, an evergreen podcast signature program. Just Adam by myself today. A um, little bit different Monday than we would normally do. <clears throat> if you're a longtime listener, we normally, obviously, as you know, do interviews on Mondays. Uh, our schedule got a little wonky with all the interviews that we have already done and just various things. Long story short, uh, didn't have anything to do specifically today, and Jill and I had basically ran through all the books we've been reading for the past two episodes, and I'm recording this on a Friday, so light office day for all of our fellow readers. So um, instead of offering you a ton of book recommendations, I'm going to talk about his dark materials for like probably 30 minutes all by myself because I am obsessed with Philip Pullman's classic fantasy series. Uh, and if you haven't seen, if you've been living under a rock, there is a HBO series coming out, His Dark Materials, in November. And they released, I believe, the final trailer uh, just this past week. And it is buckwild bananas amazing looking. I am so excited. There is no amount of excitement level that I can't reach about this i'm beyond excited on top of that tomorrow if you're listening to this on monday the latest book in the follow-up trilogy book of dust is coming out called the secret commonwealth by philip pullman Uh, i was sent a early copy of that um which they the publisher kind of sent it out of nowhere to us and i'm assuming they were hoping that we would end up talking about it on the podcast, which, hey, good job, publishers, because now I'm dedicating an entire episode to it. Um, The Secret Commonwealth, I'm a pretty decent way through it right now, but it basically extends the series, uh, continues the story of Lyra, who is our main character. But uh, what I wanted to do today, I'm not going to review The Secret Commonwealth because it's a thick, meaty book, and I don't want to do that just yet. I want to wait till I'm done and I've digested the whole thing. Uh, Instead, I want to talk about Kind of like just why I think the whole series of His Dark Materials, starting with The Golden Compass, is so important and will always be applicable. Um, so even if you, if whether you've read Philip Pullman's series a thousand times and are obsessed with it, or haven't ever read any of these books and were thinking about it, or just discovered it maybe because of the HBO series that's coming out, it what I'll talk about, it doesn't really, you don't have to have read the books. So um, if you'll stay with me, that'd be great. Uh, if not, we'll see you on Thursday. I, I understand. Um, before I get into all of that, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always go to professionalbooknerds.com or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. Uh, if you're new to the show because you heard me on Mallory O'Meara and Bria Grant's Reading Glasses podcast, hi, hello. It's great that you're here with us. Um, Ironically, Mallory and I spent a lot of time talking about his dark materials uh, via text message and stuff lately. Uh, she and I have been nerding out about this, and this is one of the things that uh, bonds us as friends. So it's a nice little uh, full circle there. Uh, so yeah, you can do all those things. Um, if you enjoy the podcast and you want to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be super. If you don't want to do that, that's okay too. I don't, I don't mind either way, but that would be nice. Um, okay, so I just want to kind of give you some... Some stuff that I think a lot about from his dark materials. The the books, the first one, The Golden Compass, came out in the mid-90s. Um, I think it was 1995. Uh, Philip Pullman published The Golden Compass. 
Um, if you're outside of the U.S. listening to this, it's called Northern Lights. Um, I just want to talk about it a lot and, and give you some background information on the stories and why it rules so hard. And I think it will always be important. So uh, it is kind of based off of Philip Pullman's reading of John Milton's Paradise Lost. Um, if you took extremely nerdy uh, literature classes like I did in college and high school, you've probably read Paradise Lost as a, uh, a college requirement course. But um, Paradise Lost is very much like the Divine Comedy from Dante, but Paradise Lost is John Milton's version of it. So um, what happened with this particular series, his Dark Materials, is Philip Pullman loved Paradise Lost and thought about all these questions of philosophy and science that were kind of going on when he was working on it and wanted to sort of flip Paradise Lost on its head a little bit. Uh, so Paradise Lost tells the story of like Adam and Eve and um, Satan's banishment from heaven and all this stuff. And Philip Pullman was a big fan of it. So he took that poem and like one of the things that you'll see in Paradise Lost is God is all-powerful and instead there is a godlike figure in his dark materials called the authority and he he's not really all-powerful maybe he was at one point but now he's more kind of like petty and he's frail and then there's uh this all-powerful kind of order known as the magisterium and our main character's name is Lyra and Uh, The story is really about her upbringing and her transitioning to an adult um, and grasping all of these things about God and philosophy and science and mixing them all together. And, of course, there's (laughs) polar bears and airships and all sorts of great stuff. Uh, But really, there's a ton of controversy when the book came out and, and continues to be so. Uh, there's Some of the books have been censored or recommended to be banned. And the region, reason being, again, there a lot of people think that the series, in, a, in its, like, to try and sum it up, they think it's a series about killing God, which is just not really at all what it's all about. People think that it's, like, atheism for kids every once in a while. You'll see Christian organizations sort of denounce the books and I actually kind of think it's the other way around I was raised Catholic we went to school at Catholic schools Uh, I went to church every Sunday with my family Um, I was an altar boy for a little bit of time which I actually talked about with someone recently Um, my father's side of our family was Jewish which I know I've talked about a little bit on the podcast so I also saw and we attended um, we went to Passovers and uh, you know celebrated uh, Hanukkah and Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah and all sorts of things, but we were Catholic, and having two different religions in our family kind of got to see different ways that people saw God or had relationships with churches and things like that. And so, what Christian organizations see when they look at the Golden Compass and the rest of the books in His Dark Materials is it looks like uh, people trying to replace an all-powerful deity and you know eventually try to to kill it and and basically showing that atheism is a much better way of looking at life and i always kind of thought about it the other way so i have my own um, i don't want to say issues with the church that i was raised in but 
the things that I took away from church weren't always like a relationship with God or a relationship with the church. And I have problems with the way that the church as a kind of government uh, does things. And I don't always agree with the way that they uh, you know, choose to spend their money or, or all these different things. But what I always did find solace in was the uh, the spiritualism that going to a church uh, would would give me and just like that moment of kind of peace and uh, being able to escape uh, what was going on every, uh, all the time while I was at the church. So what I think His Dark Materials does is it doesn't so much, in my mind anyway, it doesn't so much tell you that God is bad at all. It doesn't tell you that spiritualism is bad, but I, I think the way that I've always read it is it shows you that you can have your own relationship with um, a higher power and, and it's the way, however, whatever you need to take out of that relationship is is okay and you can see, you can question religion without being against it. Uh, you can um, wonder why things happen specific ways and not be, uh, you know, saying that you're completely against a lot of their teachings. So there's been, over the years, tons and tons of, of people, the Catholic League and all sorts of different places, have kind of boycotted it and said um, that Philip Pullman was selling atheism kind of like through the back door of a of a story. And Philip Pullman actually hasn't um, shied away from any of this criticism. Um, but he says basically it's more about the dangers of these like rigid doctrines and that the church and institutions can have. Um, and he thinks those I, basically is he's telling people you don't have to question God or question your faith, but you maybe should question how the institutions and like these rigid, unflinching rules that they have. Um, he kind of argues that it's that the books are sort of a much better way to enable kids to approach religion. Uh, There's a really good quote that he says where it's, uh, thou shalt not might reach the head, but it takes once upon a time to reach the heart. So you go to church and from a young age, you're reciting prayers and you're singing songs. And a lot of times you don't really know what any of it means or what it's supposed to mean to you. Whereas if you're reading these books, you can kind of grasp and you're you have lyra that is the sort of core person you hang out with and hang out with you travel with and you can see her grow from being a, a young child to grasp you know grappling all these different things about religion and science and government and stuff and, and you can sort of grow along the way with her so um it, it's just a really really interesting way of approaching things and it's not like to me any other fantasy series um, you know, there's Chronicles of Narnia and Lord of the Rings and all the Harry Potter books and stuff. And I think his books are more about, again, like this spiritualism that you can have within yourself. Whereas, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, it's very much an allegory. Uh, and C.S. Lewis never shied away from that. And uh, he actually, uh, Philip Pullman had a, a a thing that he said one time about uh, the Lord of the Rings saying Tolkien is not interested in the way that grown-up adult human beings interact with each other. He's interested in maps and plans and languages and codes, which is a little snarky, but also kind of funny. Um, so you go through the stories and again, you start with the Golden Compass and there's this rich world building where you learn about Lyra and everyone who is in 
the His Dark Materials books, they have a demon or a daemon, depending on how you want to pronounce it, which is kind of like your soul that exists outside of your body and it takes the shape of, a, of an animal of some kind. And when you're a child, uh, it can change forms into whatever it wants. And then once you hit uh, adulthood, it sort of it stops changing. It becomes just one specific type of animal for uh, forever and, and, and until you die. And uh, you go through the story and Golden Compass creates this world where you're trying to learn basically what's going on in this one world and you see all of these different people who are trying to control power and uh, you don't really know why they're trying to do it. You know, there's the Magisterium, which again is this like all-powerful entity, almost like a government, and then there's people that are trying to discover these like subtle magic things that are going on in the world. And the thing that that I love about it is uh, Philip Pullman spends a lot of the first book talking about uh, this world that he's built out. There's just incredible world building. There's and there's Yorick Berenson, who is this all kind of this incredibly strong polar bear who speaks, and he's an armored bear, and he's a amazing character and uh there's lee scoresby who's like a a texan kind of a shoot from the hip sort of a person who flies around airships and basically like he builds out this whole elaborate world for the entire story and then at the end of the story you discover that there are worlds upon worlds that are connected to each other and you then spend the next two books, The Subtle Knife and The Amber Spyglass, kind of not staying in the world that he spent so much time building out. And that's why I love this series so much is because a lot of fantasy series will spend that first book really world building and relationship building and establishing who the key players are and where the key places are. And um, and then a lot of times what you'll see in like a second book of a, of a series is it's almost like a traveling book where you do discover new places, but the the rules of the magic and everything in that world and the the races of, of people or animals that you meet, you sort of know who they are. In His Dark Materials, you spend this whole first book uncovering this epic journey through this epic world with these fascinating characters. And then The Subtle Knife is the second book, and it's you see all these different worlds that are completely unattached to the first one. And you return to the world of the Golden Compass uh, and the Oxford that we start in several times uh, throughout the series, obviously, but you learn that there's so much more to the story. There's all these worlds upon worlds. And to me, that's another thing that I, I took away as a kid and I still think about to this day where it's like you can have the world that surrounds you. And again, I think about this from a religious standpoint. You can have the world that surrounds you. You can see all of the goodness um, as a child in the things that you do as a kid. And then as you grow up and you have your own life, you realize that there's so much more out in the world that you can experience and adventure and, and discover entirely on your own. It's uh, it's great. I, I love it so much. And the whole story, I, I don't want to like really get into the plot in case you haven't read it, but the whole story just is heartbreaking and beautiful and tragic. And uh, there's so much that goes on. And then the series felt complete, and then he brought out The Book of Dust, which is uh, the new series. And it started with La Belle Sauvage, which came out, I want to say, two years ago. And La Belle Sauvage tells the story of Lyra, who's our main character through 
the His Dark Materials, you know, entire trilogy of the first three books, we learn about her, uh, where she came from, kind of her origin story. And you spend a lot of time with her as a baby and then only to have sort of, she gets put into the place of where she is when she starts uh, the Golden Compass at the end of La Belle Sauvage. And so I've, I was always thinking, I was like, well, where's he going to go with the next book? And then what you come to realize in The Secret Commonwealth, which, uh, again, just coming out this week, I won't give anything away, but basically you learn she's not an adult. It's 20 years later after the La Belle Sauvage things and basically 10 years later after everything that happens in His Dark Materials. And you get to see her as an adult and her relationship with her de- her demon uh, Pantalaimon and her relationship with all the people that were involved in her life and the aftermath. And I think a lot of times you see these fantasy stories and there's a happily ever after. And uh, it's really rare to see what happens after happily ever after. And, and that's why I'm really enjoying the secret commonwealth. So um, there's a lot of things in here that, that one of the things, you know, the golden compass was just, was originally a reference again to uh, Paradise Lost and a lot of people have come to think because of the way that the publisher put out the the name of the book The Golden Compass they think that it refers to this tool that Lyra has called the alethiometer and what the alethiometer does and very few people in the world can actually use it uh, and Lyra happens to be one of them and it comes naturally to her where she's able to ask a question to the alethiometer and it's going to give her an answer. Um, it's going to give it to her in a, a, a certain way that it may be different based on when you ask it, but it, it's going to tell you the truth. You just have to be able to look at the answers that it's showing you and discern what it actually means. And so the alethiometer to me is this, that's like one of the big things that I connect to my spirituality and my and religion and things like that where a lot of people will look at the bible or the quran or um you know the you know the torah and they'll take what stories are in there and they'll take them literally which i think is a something that it's your right to do that if you want but i have always looked at the stories in religion as a way to show you what is a way to be a better person but you have to take the lessons and understand them and connect them to what you're doing right now and how your life is being lived and you know what you take away from a story from the bible you know might be different when you're 7 or 8 versus when you're 18 or when you're 58 and to me the alethiometer does that you know depending on way things are going on in their world the way that the alethiometer answers questions and not only that but the way that the alethiometer answers questions like what it depicts and what those depictions end up meaning can be something entirely different so um and there's all sorts of just little things like that that go on in the world where there's this like these subtle differences between lyra's oxford and the world that they live in and ours um it's not different enough where it's like unapproachable but it is just something that uh lets you see the kind of wonderment that he built into the world. And I am so excited for the show. It looks like HBO is doing it the right way. If you've seen um, <laughs> if you've seen any of the, the trailers, it looks phenomenal. Uh, I cannot wait. 
Um, if you've never read his Dark Materials, I will say there is an entirely different experience reading the books and doing the um, doing the audiobooks. And the reason I say that is if you download the audiobooks on Libby, uh, what you'll see is that they are narrated by Philip Pullman, but they have an entire cast of characters. So every character, uh, whether it's Lyra or Pantalaimon or York Berenson, um, they all have different voices, and they basically it's like a large. Ca- it's like when uh, for George Saunders' book, um, when when that came out, and there was like 160 people that did the the narration. That's not quite that much, but it's it's intense. It, it feels like you're watching a, a stage play. So. Uh, I've both read the books and listened to the audiobooks. I'm not going to say one way is better than the other, but um, the audiobooks are a lot of fun to listen to for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've always looked, again, I've always looked at these books as a way to evaluate my own relationship with religion. And I was lucky because my mom, being a teacher for 40 years, um, she recognized the importance of letting us as kids decide, you know, she told us, like, listen, you're going to go to church and I want you to be brought up in this world. And yes, we went to Catholic schools, but I, she always wanted us to have our own questions about what was going on. And if we were unsure about something or the way that things were working, we could have conversations with her about it. And that is what I think is a perfect description of his dark materials. It's, it is a series of books that approaches religion in a way that says, here is something going on. It's your choice how you want to interpret it. Um, and it's okay to question whatever your religion is, whether you have a religion or not. It's okay to question it. And I think you can take out of this story, well, there's something for everyone. There's something for people who are devout Christians or just extremely religious. And there's stuff for people who are atheists and don't believe any of it. Um, it also, as I mentioned, being on reading glasses and Mallory and I both loving this, you know, Mallory talks a lot about on their podcast, how she, you know, isn't religious at all and doesn't have any connection to religion, but she adores these books. And so I have no doubt, and we haven't talked about this before, but I have no doubt that the way that I look at these books and the way that she looks at it is probably a little bit differently. Um, all I know is that every time I read these books, I feel kind of a comfort and a um, a connection to again like my own spirituality it, it takes me back reading these books reminds me of sitting in a church um, whether there was a mass going on or not and just having that kind of calm come over me and knowing that everything is going to be okay and it can be figured out and I'm allowed to question things that are going on in my life I'm allowed to question things that are going on in that church I'm sitting in um, and I can question things that are going on in these books so Um, that's a little kind of 20 minute rant on, uh, Philip Pullman and his dark materials. Um, I hope that made sense. Uh, if you haven't yet check out again, the, the, his dark materials trailer that HBO is in, from what I can tell, it looks like they're going to stick pretty close to the story, which is great because there are some things that go on in the story that I don't want them to leave out. And it looks like they're not going to do that. So um, depending on how much I end up loving the series, which I'm sure will be a lot, I actually did talk about uh, having a kind of like a review version of 
our podcast for the series and i talked to mallory and, and she wants to come on and do that so anytime we can have mallory on it's a lot of fun um yeah so i think that's just about everything read the books uh we'll get back on on thursday with a whole bunch of book recommendations and and things like that but listen the last couple episodes uh we've done a whole bunch of recommendations so if you're new to the podcast and you're like hey when he went on reading glasses he said that this was going to be a huge book recommendation show. Uh, go back to the last few where we talk about murdery mermaids and astronauts and and so many things in between. So, um, yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. It is really weird to talk by yourself in a room for a half hour. I have no idea how people like Mark Maron do this every single time. It's wild. So, uh, okay. Uh, that's about everything. Hope you guys enjoy your Monday, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald, and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit Professional Book Nerds Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.